0: Last year, we decided to go all in on this group that we call Four, Five, Six. It's a breakout for four, fifth, and sixth graders from our elementary room. We cover some hard-hitting topics like, does God exist, and um, what is sin, and if if bad things happen, does that mean God is punishing you? Um, it's been really good uh, to, to get to know the kids and to have some of these deep discussions. And we decided in 2023 that we would like to create some opportunities. Um, for parents and kids or kids and adults in their life to create some memories together. And um, one such event that we have coming up is a bazooka ball night. And um, it's going to be for our 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. And every 4th, 5th, and 6th grader needs an adult present uh, with them. And we're going to have some fun that night. Because nothing is better than being able to catch somebody off guard. Especially if it's a job. Well, That's Can you come here for a minute? Good morning, everyone. Um, As far as I'm concerned, it is always a great day to catch your dad off guard, Um, especially with a bazooka ball. If you don't know what bazooka ball is, it is a, a mixture between a Nerf war, a paintball, and a laser tag. The ball don't hurt when you shoot them. It's actually really fun. Um, so if you have four or five sixers in your life, uh, kids ages are in the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, we are having an event this Friday night. Please get them registered. It's also, we are asking that somebody 18 and older attends with them. It can be an older brother, sister, um, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, mom, dad, somebody you find at Walmart. Uh, doesn't matter. Uh, as long as they're 18 and older, if you have more Four or five Sixers in your life than you do adults, please let us know. We have some team members who would love um, to hang out with them and uh, create some memories. So make sure you uh, sign up your kids for that. Um, like I said, my name is Pastor Steph and I am the Joy Kids Pastor uh, here. I absolutely love my job, but it is an honor and privilege to be with you this morning um, up here, you know, in the big church. It's kind of scary up here. Um, But about a month and a half ago, I was coming off of maternity leave, and I was sitting in Pastor Brian's office, and uh, he was kind of catching me up on the things that had gone on and what I missed and what's happening, and he goes, I think I'd like you to talk on February 19th, and after some back and forth, um, we kind of settled on, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Um, And I said, what do you want me to talk on? Now, every other time that I've spoken here, um, I've had some boundaries. Um, It's always been in the confines of a series or it's Vacation Bible Adventure Kickoff and I know I'm gonna be talking about kids. There's all sorts of different things. I I have his notes to go on or where he's headed. Um, But this one he said, it's a standalone message and you can do whatever you want. And I was like, okay, sure, all right. So I kind of put it in the back corners of my brain because I was like, okay, that's a big, I mean, it's the Bible. There's a lot of topics in there to talk about. Uh, So I kind of just put it in the back recesses of my brain and, um, you know, fast forward a few weeks and we were sitting in a big idea meeting, our Tuesday afternoon meetings and Pastor Brian says, Steph, what are you talking about? And all professionalism left me. I should have came up with something quick, uh, but I did not. I said, I don't know. And as I said, that it was like red alert, red alert, like ah, panic, panic. You don't know what you're talking on. This is not that great because it's coming up sooner, 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 sooner. So then I began to just all out panic, and I was asking anyone and everybody what I should talk about. I was, I mean, I asked Pastor John, and he was like, you know, something about a bean field or something. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, so then uh, my mom was like, well, what are you talking about in kids and? The last one of the last topics I talked about was, um, does God exist? (laughs) Yes, he does. There's a game that we play in four, five, six that really works with that, but you guys wouldn't really want to play that game. So, uh, so that's out. So, kind of going back and forth, and um, about a week ago, Wednesday, um, I was like, okay. I have got to figure this out. I have got to figure it out. So I um, was like, I am going to sit here at my desk. I am not going to move until I figure out what it is that I'm going to talk about. And so I'm sitting there at my desk and Lisa comes around the corner. She goes, hey, we're going to go do lunch. And I was like, sorry, Jesus, I'm out. I'm going to go do lunch. Uh, can't, uh, can't quite figure it out. And by the time I got back to my desk, I had kind of felt like I was supposed to look in Luke chapter 1. Now, I am not a biblical scholar. Um, I'm not a theologian. But I do know that Luke chapter 1 is Christmas. Okay? We just have already left Christmas. And I am like the Grinchiest of the Grinches. Like, I do not enjoy the Christmas season. I don't, I mean, yes, thank you that he was born. I love it. But uh, the, some of you are looking at me like... Oh my gosh, you don't like Christmas? It's, that's fine. You can parumpa pum pum all you want, but I am out. I do not like Christmas. So, when I kind of felt like I should do that, I was like, mm. okay. So, um, I started to look into Luke chapter 1, and uh, that is where we are going to go this morning. And uh, if you are a lover of all things Christmas, don't get too excited because we're not going to be here for long. And if you are like me and don't enjoy Christmas that much, don't worry, we're not going to be here for long. All right? So... Um we're picking up in Luke chapter 1, and it's where uh, the Gabriel, Angel Gabriel, is meeting Mary, right? If you were in the flannel graph Jesus days or in the coloring, you know, Jesus stage, uh, you're going to see a picture of Mary sweeping an empty room and a big glowy white thing like right next to her. So this is where the Angel Gabriel shows up, and it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the Angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now scholars say Mary was between twelve and fourteen years old. Okay, so she's she's a kid. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Well, yeah, she was in the seventh grade. Think about your seventh graders in your life or think about what you were like in seventh grade. Some of you may not remember seventh grade, right? Like the seventh graders that I get to hang out with, some of them would be like, hey, let's put it on my Insta story. I want to put it on my TikTok. You know, some of them would be like, miss the whole thing. Because they were too engrossed in something else. So she was in the seventh grade. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, "'The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God.'" Now, if you were in the first century, if you were living at this time period, you would hear this story, and you'd think, hmm, that's interesting. But it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibilities because they believed in the Roman and Greek gods um, that lived in the pantheons, these little G gods. So what they would believe, now this is a myth, but they believed that uh, the little G gods would come down, impregnate women, and you would get something like Wonder Woman or the Hulk or something with a complete mortal, but with superpowers. So... Luke, the writer here, is making it very, very clear that what is happening to Mary is not untoward, it's not inappropriate, it's not something done in the dark or, done, or shameful. He uses a word in the Greek, and I'm going to announce this, I'm going to say this word with all confidence, but I am not a Greek scholar, um, and I really feel like probably not any of you are, so you can't call me out on it later. Um... So, uh, but he uses a work in the Greek uh, that, that is eperkomai, and it means to come alongside or to draw near. So Luke is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes along next to you, comes alongside of you, remember, not done in the dark, not shameful, not secret. When he comes alongside of you, we will get Emmanuel, God with us, the son of God. It's not going to be this mutt or this, this thing that we're not quite sure, mortal with super ho- superpowers. It is the son of God. Of God. See, God didn't want Mary's fertility. He wanted her faith. And when we look at Mary, Mary's just a kid, right? She's in the seventh grade. She doesn't have much to offer. She, she has uh, nothing special. She's bringing to the table and she goes, okay, God, you can do it. Mary, God wanted Mary's faith, not her fertility. And this isn't the first time or the last time that we see the Holy Spirit coming alongside uh, in Scripture. Now, we've hit Christmas. We're going to jump over to the other big holiday that we celebrate, Easter. And uh, uh, if we go over a few books uh, in the book of Acts, we see that the resurrection has already happened. Death, burial, resurrection. And Jesus is showing up to people. He's... uh, you know, showing his hands to Thomas and all of that, and, and he's just showing up. And, and one of the last meetings that Jesus had with the disciples um, is in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read this from a different book in a little bit. But uh, it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not ju- leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they all gathered around him and asked him, "'Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?' They still didn't understand that he was going away. They didn't understand that what he was about to do. They still wanted a political leader to lead them out of Roman oppression. They wanted Jesus to be something different than he was. So then he said to them, "'It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority.'" You're not going to know the situation you're in. You're not going to know what the future holds. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word, Holy Spirit, comes on you is the same word. Jesus is saying, we're going to do to you what we did to Mary. We're going to on you. We're going to come alongside of you. And when we do, you're going to receive power receive power to be my witnesses to all the ends of the earth. That must have seemed like a crazy task to the disciples. They didn't have all the stuff we have today. How am I supposed to get to the ends of the earth? How am I supposed I only speak one language. What is that going to do? Now, we know in Acts chapter 2 that they were all gathering for Pentecost and they were in the upper room and they were waiting. They were doing exactly what it was that um, Jesus had asked them to do. They didn't know what they were waiting for. They'd heard about this thing called the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what it looked like. They didn't know anything about it, but they were doing what Jesus called. They were, called them to do. They weren't living by explanation. They were living by faith. Remember, God wanted uh, Mary's faith, not her fertility. They were living by faith and not explanation. And we know then the winds started blowing in tongues of fire and everybody started speaking in tongues. Now, some of you heard me say the word speaking in tongues and you're checking back in like, whoa, here we go. I knew this church was crazy. Or you're thinking, or maybe you're on the, on, the, on the lines of like, yeah, that's super exciting. Let's talk about spirit, or let's talk about speaking in tongues. And some of you are like, is she really going to talk about speaking in tongues? Like, I don't, I don't know that she should talk about that. Um, and so I don't want to get stuck there. I don't want to get stuck in the speaking in tongues part. What I do want to do is look past that, and we see that when they received the power of the Holy Spirit... They began to speak in other tongues. Everybody who gathered around heard in their language, upwards of 15 different dialects, the power, the life-saving message that Jesus was the Messiah. The very same thing that Jesus told them was going to happen happened because they lived by faith. Because they sat in the upper room and waited. Now, if we go over to uh, John, the book of John, and um, I don't have time to go into all of it. I don't have to. It's John chapter 14. Um, I want to challenge you in your first 15 uh, tomorrow, read the book, read the chapter, John chapter 14, because um, you'll kind of get a better sense of all of this. But this is the same meeting when Jesus is uh, meeting, last meeting with the disciples. And... Uh, It says in the beginning of John that their hearts were troubled because Jesus was going away. Jesus was uh, talking weird. He had already died, resurrected, and now what? And they had lived with him for three years. They had seen every miracle. They had been a part of uh, of when... (laughs) feeding the 5,000, the walking on water. They had been a part of everything. They followed Jesus relentlessly. They were rebuked by Jesus. They were loved by Jesus. They followed him, and now their hearts are troubled because they're not quite sure the situation or the season that they're in. And so they're asking questions like, how do we get to the Father? And, and Jesus says, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father but through me. And they're asking, what does the Father look like? And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And four different times in, the, in, in John chapter 14, four different times, he uses the word Comfort. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I I, I will send you a comforter. And in John chapter 14, it says, if you love me, obey me. And I will ask the father and he will give you another comforter and he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, the spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him for it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do for he lives with you now and someday shall be in you. You know, in English, we have the word another. Do you want another cookie or do you want another option? Do you want something that is completely the same or completely different? And Jesus is using the word there, another, identical in every single way. So he's saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you. It's not something you can earn. It's just he's going to give it to you freely, another, like me, in every way, shape, or form, uh, like me, another comforter to you. So he's going to give you another comforter, and uh, he will never leave you. See, I think that perhaps, I'm going to make a bold statement here, but perhaps the Holy Spirit was given to us as our comfort our comforter so we could live outside of our comfort zone because Jesus knew that it was going to be uncomfortable to live by faith. So he gave us the comforter to be our comfort when we're uncomfortable. And I, a lot of times we think the opposite of of faith is fear, but really the opposite of, of faith is familiarity, I, uh, a couple years ago, now some of you know my story really, really well. Some of you don't. So I'm going to kind of catch you up. Uh, just a snapshot of my life. But a couple of years ago, um, I, we had just gotten married in May. I was always told I could not have children. Found out we were pregnant in July. Um, thought we were miscarrying in July. Uh, we didn't. We have a beautiful girl. Uh, but it, all that was going on in August. I made a lot of uh, transitions here. I went from um, the creative arts uh, director over to kids. Uh, my husband uh, found out that his job was uh, on the line or they were closing his plant down. So they had another position for him, but it was in Fairville. So four days a week, he lived in Fairville, came home on the weekends. I was newly pregnant, trying to remember if we were going to, or trying to they're hoping and praying, believing that we were going to have this baby, all transitions, change, everything going on. And we thought it was a really great time to buy a house. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. Uh, I was overwhelmed. And I was just adding to the fuel to the fire because I was overwhelmed. And so we met with a realtor and um, we loved our realtor. She was really great. She asked us some questions. What are you guys looking for? I had thoughts of being Chip and Joanna Gaines but he's not Chip and I'm not Joanna. So, uh, and after looking at a few houses, I realized real quickly that my budget and my tastes do not align. So um, so we, one of our things is we wanted uh, a, a house with mature trees. We didn't want a, a new build. Um, we wanted uh, some character to the house. And um, we ended up finding this 1940s house that was... Uh, kind of everything we were looking for other than the kitchen was really small, so we just compromised, um, still a thorn in my side, uh, but we compromised and, and, and we bought this house. And at first, we were coming from a, a one-bedroom apartment. And moving into this house. And as we did at, at first, it was great. Now, remember, my husband's away. I'm living in the house all by myself. Um, I don't hear my neighbors. I can't smell what they're cooking. Um, I have way more space. I can put things on the wall. Like, I want to put them on the wall. I don't have to worry about paint and all of that business. I can do, we, have, we just have a ton more space. But I also realized that it was kind of um, like our doorbell was terrifying. Like our, our 1940s house, the doorbell is like in a light switch. And when it went off the first couple of times, it's like heart in your stomach. What on earth was that? Yeah. It was our doorbell of all the things. Um, we found some light switches that we have no idea. You know, you walk into a new house and you're like, I just, I want to turn on that light right there. Which one do I flip? And so, uh, in my, my one bedroom apartment, I could deep clean the whole thing Floorboards and everything in an hour and a half, and this house now doesn 't i well deep cleaning <laughs> who's going to deep clean um, <laughs> oh yay uh, so um so it it was uncomfortable, and it was kind of like you you were feeling out of sorts, and my husband and i we would always say we were going to the apartment, we were going to go to the apartment, and uh I'm heading to the apartment. We never called it home. It never really felt like home. And somewhere along the line, our house became our home. There was nothing in me that was like, now it is your home. You must call it your home. It was like, oh, this is my house, and I'm calling it home. Because pretty soon, the uncomfortable becomes comfortable, and it becomes home. Remember, the opposite of faith is not fear, it's familiarity, it's familiarity and what your home is. We just we just left the series here. And um Pastor Brian talked a lot about now. He used like this is here, this is there, or whatever. So he here, your here looks different than you're there. We want to go there, but here we are. What happens sometimes in life is our here becomes our home, and we camp out here because it's more comfortable here and we never get to there because here is home. If shame is your home, you're constantly gonna do things to make you ashamed because it feels comfortable. If depression is your home, you're going to always find something to be depressed about. If anger is your home, every little inconvenience you will see as a personal attack against yourself because it makes you angry and anger is your home. See, it's a dangerous place to live in because when we start living by faith, when we have joy and peace and the things that the Holy Spirit brings, those will be so uncomfortable that we will not stay there because it's more comfortable to live in depression or into fear or into anxiety, those things. I want to say the opposite though is also true if pride is your home. Or if apathy is your home, or if go with emotions is your home, here is really comfortable. Don't mess with my good things. My question for you then this morning is: Is uh, when God calls you out of your success into something that's sacrificial, will you still follow Him? When it's uncomfortable, when I have to move from here to there and it's uncomfortable, are you still going to follow him? Fear can lead to faith, but familiarity will keep you stuck in cycles, predictable cycles that are pitiful, but you will stay in them until something calls you out. Perhaps the Holy Spirit was given to us to be our comforter because living by faith, living in the here, is going to be so uncomfortable. And Jesus knew that, so he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be your home when you start uh, living by the Spirit, when you start, when the Holy Spirit epicomies you, when he comes alongside of you and you start living in that space, when you start living in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to be more comfortable. And so it doesn't matter what your here looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on around you because you're looking at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. Now, as I was kind of going through this, uh, this message I realized that a couple months ago, uh, in probably early fall, um, I found myself in the same position that I was when we were buying our house. Um, there were questions. I was pregnant with my second child, and there were questions on if if he was going to live, and there were questions on if I would make it through childbirth, and my husband was going through things uh, uh, with his body and with his health, and we were wondering, how are we going to get through that? There was questions with his job and with our finances and insurances, and there were questions, questions about that, and there were things going on um, on the outside with other family members, things we couldn't control, things we couldn't be a, a part of, but were really, really painful, and, and it hurt us because they were hurting. And there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it. And I found myself in the feeling, the same feelings that I did two and a half years ago. I found myself stuck in this cycle of overwhelmed, of anxiety, anxiety, and I was leaving ministry team practice one Monday night, and I was in my car, and I was like, okay, God, I don't want to be here again. I've already done this before. I have lived this story, and here I am again. Has anybody ever been there? How am I here again? I thought we already, I thought we already fought this battle. I already had enough faith to make it through the first time, but now I don't know if I have enough faith to do it again. I don't know if I have enough in me to do this again. And as I was driving and I was was just pouring my heart out to God, I was reminded of a scripture in Ezekiel. See, we don't need answers as much as we need God's presence and uh, in Ezekiel 37 it says the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold there were very many bones in the open valley and indeed they were very dry and he said to me son of man can these bones live So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Ezekiel didn't say, yes, sir, 100%. Absolutely. He looked around and he saw death. He saw uh, void. He saw destruction. He saw dry, empty, lifeless bones. And he said, oh, Lord God, you know. I don't know, but you do. I don't know, but you do. In Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 4, it says, Again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. So I prophesied. I didn't quite know. I didn't fully believe it. I had nothing special. I didn't bring anything to the table, but I said, okay, God, I know that you are good. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and sudden a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Some of you might not have enough breath in you this morning. Maybe you were like me. I don't know that I have enough breath for my marriage. I don't know that I have enough breath for for my finances. I don't know that I have enough breath to blow my prodigal home. I don't know that I have enough breath in me to move me from here to there. I don't know that I have enough breath in me to leave the dream that God has given to me and, and focus on the dream giver. I don't know that I have enough breath in me. That word breath in the Hebrew is translated as ruach and it means the Holy Spirit. And so he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, Ezekiel, prophesy. Prophesy. Speak to it, Ezekiel. Speak to the breath, Ezekiel, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded me, and breath came in to them, and they lived and stood to their feet, a great and exceedingly great army. A 12-year-old with no fertility, when God came alongside of her, the miraculous happened and we got Emmanuel God with us. When there was a group of believers with no theology degree, they brought nothing special to the table. They didn't have the written word of God yet, but when God came alongside of them, they received power and they did miraculous things throughout throughout the world. A cemetery became a sanctuary when God breathed on it. See, God wants to breathe on you this morning whether you don't know if you have enough breath or whether you're stuck here and your here has become your home and and maybe like I said maybe apathy has become your home or go with the motions has become your home and it's been so easy here. The Holy Spirit wants to breathe on some things. He wants to move on some things this morning. If you would, please bow your heads and close your eyes. I have a question for you this morning. Yeah. If. The question that I have for you this morning is, um, first of all, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you will never be able to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the very first thing you have to do is to identify him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, and you'd say, I need to dedicate my life to Jesus, I need to give him first place, I need him to be my Lord and Savior, if that's you, would you please raise your hand? Is there anybody like that in here? Thank you. If you would all, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, we come before you this morning. We can't offer anything special. We don't bring anything to the table. But we know that you died on the cross for our sins. And you rose again on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close out today? I truly really feel like if, if you're... If you're one of the ones in here today, and we're a family here, I'm not doing this to point anybody out, I'm not doing this to, to, because we need to know your problems, but if you're sitting here this morning, or standing here this morning, and you think, I don't have enough breath in my body to fight, or in my heart to fight, I don't have enough breath in me, if that's you this morning, would you just have a seat? Is there anybody like that this morning? And there may be some of you who think, oh, that's, that's kind of a scary place to be at because everybody's looking around, um, and that's okay. Like I said, we are a family. If there's somebody sitting near you, uh, would you just reach your hands out and, and, and just touch them on the shoulder? And if there's nobody around you like that, would you please uh, put your hands in the air? I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable this morning. We don't do this often. First of all, Father God, we just pray for the people who are sitting right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would fill them with your breath. Holy Spirit, come into their lives. The things that they need are refreshing on. The things that, that they don't know if they can do it. They don't know that they can do this again. God, you know. You know what the next steps are. You know that their steps are ordered by you. You know that the Holy Spirit going to lead them into all truth. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask, I speak to, I prophesy to the breath. And I say, breath, enter those places that that are that are dead and dying. Enter those places that they need uh, help in. And Father, for the rest of us, I thank you that you're going to help us move from here to there. You're going to help us uh, be so comfortable with the Holy Spirit and be so comfortable with the fact that it, we that you are calling us out of our our predictable cycles. That that when we get uncomfortable, we know that you are here to comfort us. And it's in your mighty and your precious and your holy name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Remember, you can uh, uh, give to Turkey on your way out uh, and uh, register your kids for 456. And thank you so much for listening to me. Pastor Brian will be back next week.